Good morning and welcome to Abundant Life Church. We are so thrilled to have you. My name is Jeremy, the lead pastor here. And I want to have a, a little bit of a family moment before we get, get into the message. Uh, first, we had an incredible weekend last weekend. Hopefully you were able to be a part of one of our Easter services. Uh, we had just shy of 5,000 people here. Uh, just amazing experience. Yeah, uh, with uh, the 12 services we had across our three campuses. And, uh, and that was so fun to be a part of. Here's what was truly amazing. We had been telling you about for the weeks preceding that, a special Easter offering that we wanted to do above and beyond what we normally do. And so, you know, we, we normally have to, you know, raise money to do all the ministries that we do each and every day. But then we thought, hey, what if we went beyond that and, and gave it all away? And we gave it to an organization called Compassion Connect. We told you about them for about a month, you know, prior to that. And we just said, hey, if you'd be willing, uh, in addition to your regular giving to do that, uh, that would be incredible. Church, I am so proud of you. The response to this blew me away. Uh, we raised more than $44,000 for Compassion Connect. Absolutely. It thrills me to be your pastor of a church that is this generous that says, you know what, we're gonna see a need and we're gonna give it away and we're gonna give of ourselves for others. And I just wanna applaud you and say, God is going to use your faithfulness. He's gonna use your generosity uh, for amazing things in this kingdom and lives will be changed because of you. So way to go. I wanna just encourage you on that. Second thing I'll let you know, um, you, you may have noticed if you look around, there's not a lot of empty chairs. And, uh, and this is like cool in one sense and it's a problem when you try to get out of the parking lot, right? And you're like, this is a little nuts. Uh, so we're constantly figuring out how do we grow? How do we you know, use the opportunities that we have to create more space for new people to experience this? Because it's not just about us. And so as we've you know, looked at all kinds of options and done our research, uh, we have an exciting idea I wanna let you know about today. And, and it might sound a little weird to you because it sounded a little weird to me at first when we began this. Uh, but I, I just have been you know, looking at this more and I'm thrilled uh, how, how I think it's gonna be amazing for us. Beginning May 17th, we are going to start a Thursday night service. It's gonna be at 6 p.m. And you may go, Thursday night service, that, that sounds weird. Uh, it's gonna be the same service as the weekend. So it will be a full weekend service. Uh, we'll be teaching at it. Uh, and here's what this is gonna do for us. It's gonna provide an, an evening option. Uh, since I began here, I have been asked by you guys, hey, when are we gonna have night services? And we need night services. Uh, now we will have a night service, uh, but it also gives us a service that's not on the weekend. So if you're like, hey, I'm traveling, or hey, we got work, or we got sports, or we got this or that, uh, you have an option now on Thursday nights to be a part of that. And so we wanna encourage you. Uh, maybe you wanna move to that and make that your service. And uh, there hopefully will be less people than this, you know, and maybe hopefully not, but uh, you know, there's gonna be a, a new opportunity for growth there. Uh, so we wanna encourage you to be a part of that. That will be the service. We will record the message. That will get played for our other campuses on the weekend. So if you wanna be a part of that experience as well, uh, we'd encourage you come Thursday nights, Add it to your arsenal of options if you want, 6 p.m. beginning May 17th. So please mark your calendar. Well, today we're beginning a series called Missing Pieces. And, and this series, if I had to define it by one word, would be perspective. You know, what, what is perspective? Well, let me give you an example. Uh, a number of years ago, I was uh, getting ready, you know, to go to work one day. I had parked my car. I walked up to where our offices were, and I was in Arizona at the time. And uh, my office was at the back of the worship center. That's where we had a bunch of our offices. And so I go walking up to it, and, and just as I get to the door, I realize there's another staff member named David. And he comes walking up, and he's going to the same door as me. And, and so we just stop, and we have this conversation just first thing in the morning. Hadn't seen David in a while. You know, I've got my bag on. I'm holding my, my Bible and a coffee. And uh, you notice how this, this conversation. And, 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 and here's what you have to understand. My back is to the parking lot. 
David's back is to the building. This is how we're having the conversation. Now, let me illustrate this because it's going to be an important detail. Here's an aerial shot, okay? Um, This is the parking lot. The star is where we were having this conversation. So I parked my car over here. I walked across the field. I'm standing right there. I'm going into this building. That's where this is happening. Again, understand, my back is to the parking lot. David's back to the building. We're having this conversation. While we're having this conversation, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, David looks over my shoulder and he says, hey, those guys are fighting. Now, that's an interesting line. Like, Those guys are fighting. What on earth is he talking about? Before I can really process this, David takes off running. So I'm like, what on earth? I turn around, I see David off and running, and I see far in the distance these two guys pushing each other. So I'm like, well, I should probably join him. You know, like, (laughs) all right. And so I'm setting my my copy down, my Bible, I'm getting my bag off and everything. And I'm like, let's go. So I start running as well. And as I'm running, I realize... What am I planning on doing here? You know, I don't know. Like, I'm just running behind David. Now, to illustrate uh, the distance of this, it, it was a far distance, so I want to show you. I had to run from here to here. <laughs> Took me a, a, a bit, okay? Uh, so I'm jogging, and, you know, I'm thinking, well, I'm going. Okay, so I'm watching these two guys. You know, they're, they're at a distance. They're pushing each other. As I start running, David's in front of me. I keep running, I keep running. At some point, I pass David, you know, in the parking lot, so I'm feeling good. But then I realize... I'm gonna be the first one on the scene now. That was not a wise move, you know, and so I do that. About the point I get to here, I see a, a, a squad car drive by. This is one entrance, second entrance, drive by and it keeps driving. So I'm thinking, okay, they missed their turn. They're gonna come in the second entrance. I just need to stall for a moment until the, the police get here and then they'll be able to sort this thing out. So I'm running and by the time I get there, They're not standing up anymore. One guy is on his back on the ground. The other guy is sitting on top of him, raining down punches. And it's very lopsided. And so I get there, and by the time I get to the scene, I do the first thing that comes to my mind. I just tackle the guy on top. So I just run at him, tackle him off, knock him off. He gets up, and then he throws up his hands at me. And I'm like, I'm about to get in a fight in the church parking lot. You know, so I'm going, okay, hold on, man. No, 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 I don't want to fight you. I just don't want you fighting him. And this guy is like, I mean, just bloodthirsty out for this other guy. Well, a moment later, David shows up. He's able to, you know, be with that guy. I'm with this guy. And they are still going at each other. They're, you know, running their mouth, trying to get this fight. It is everything we can do to separate them. Now we find out as they're, you know, throwing these jabs at one another, uh, that the reason why they're fighting is because of road rage. <laughs> they decided, hey, what better way to deal with road rage than to pull into a church parking lot and settle it like adults, you know? Like, <laughs> let's duke it out. Now, you may be wondering, how old are these guys? You know, maybe you're envisioning some punk teenagers that got out of school and they're doing this. I kid you not, both these guys were probably in their 60s. <laughs> so, older guys here, I'm on to you, all right? I know. I know what you're capable of. I've seen it. So these guys, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to process, like, you two want to fight? I mean, just, I can't. Okay, you should be over this. But, but so we, we get there, we get them, you know, separated. And Dave and I are asking them, okay, what do you want to do here? Do you want us to call the police? Do you want us to get, you know, uh, medical help? Like, what do you need? And they both cool off a little bit. They're like, no, we're, we're just going to be done with it. So the one guy leaves. The other guy's like, no, I'm fine. And, and so, you know, this other guy, that's, I mean, he's just bloody all over. And he had clothes, like, all over the parking lot. So it's like putting Humpty Dumpty back together again. We're like going and shoe and a sock and I don't understand what's going on. And we put him back together and then he has this moment where he goes, hey, thanks guys, that, that could have been really bad. 
yeah, look at your face. Like it, it is bad. You know, I don't know what, what you were thinking here. And so he, he leaves and, you know, everything's kind of settled. And so David and I are just standing there like, wow, what a way to start your day. You know, that's, that's just an interesting start. And so we're like, all right, let's, let's head back. So we start here and we're not, now we're walking back. We're not running this distance again. So Dave and I start walking and we're just recapping. You're like, oh, you remember when that guy said that? Or, you know, we're just kind of talking like this. Well, we get about halfway and out of the corner of my eye, I see a police car screaming through the parking lot. And I'm thinking, great, they're a little late, but now we can tell the police what happened. David says, no, no, Jeremy, they're gonna think we're the ones fighting. I'm like, David, why, why would they think that? You know, it doesn't make any sense. This squad car pulls up, slams on its brakes in front of us. Officer gets out and shouts, get your hands on the hood of the car. <laughs> I don't have a lot of experience with, with this. So I'm, wh- what? Now, David, he's from LA. <laughs> so before I can even look at him, he's <laughs> thinking, You've done this before. You look really comfortable with that. So I'm about to explain to the officer what's going on. And I decide, you know what? I better just, I'll just, I'm going to put my hands up there too. And then time freezes. And I have one of those out of body experiences. You ever had that? You know, where you're like hovering above yourself and you're thinking about what you're currently doing. And, and I have this thought, who's watching right now? <laughs> I'm in the church parking lot. I work here, you know, like thinking local pastor, you know, arrested for fight in parking lot. You know, like that headline's never a good one. And so I'm standing there and no joke, about this time, a car drives by. It's our prayer pastor and he waves to us as he drives by. Oh, just Jeremy again, having another, you know. I'd wave, but my hands are on a cop car right now. So I'm just gonna keep them here. So we're standing there and finally I get the officer to understand, okay, we work here. We're not hostile with each other. We're not fighting. Uh, there are other guys. And so we explain the whole thing. We all have a good laugh about it. We get back you know, to the offices. Well, this thing spreads virally. I mean, I don't know if it was the prayer pastor that told everybody, I don't know how it happened, but my phone is lit up and it's like, hey, I heard you got in a fight in the parking lot. You know, it's like, well, not exactly. You know, so I'm like trying to explain the story and it is like story after story. I mean, everybody wants to hear, I heard about you guys getting into a fight in the parking lot. And, and what I realized is these were all guys that were calling me and asking for the story and they loved it. I mean, they wanted every juicy detail of this story. Then what'd you do? Then what'd you do? What'd he say? You know, it's like all this. So I just got really hyped into telling the story a bazillion times that day. Well, I go home that night and I realized I hadn't told my wife yet. And so I was like, she is going to love it. So I get home and I'm like, honey, you are not going to believe what happened to me today. So I start telling her the story. I don't get too far into it until I realize her facial expression, not the same as the guys that I was (laughs) telling the story to. And so I'm telling her and she just kind of looks concerned and then a little bit angry, you know, and then I'm like, what's going on? So I get done with the story and I'm like, isn't that amazing? She's like, well, you didn't really think that through, did you? <laughs> what do you mean? What if the guy would have had a gun? Uh, he didn't. Well, how big was he? I don't know. He's like sitting on another guy. Like, you know, it's like, I don't know. And she's like, like, what if he would have beat you up? I, I don't know. I like, didn't think about any of these things. I just ran at him. And I realized, same story, radically different reactions, depending on who you told the story to. And I learned a lesson that day that I've never forgotten. 
So much of life is just perspective. It's not actually what happens to you. It's the perspective you have on it. We think life is all about what happens to us. It's not that. It's far more about your reaction to what happens to you, whether that's good or bad or, or whatever. And I just remembered that lesson that day, realizing, man, totally different reactions to that story based on who you told it to. Well, today we're going to begin this series called Missing Pieces. And if you've got your journals, I encourage you to get that out. We're going to be in week one, and you can save this through the whole series and bring it back with you. You can have all your notes on the series in one place. Uh, and we're going to look at perspective. How do we react to the things that happen to us the way that Jesus would want us to react? So if you've got your Bibles, we're going to be in John chapter 16. You got a physical Bible with you, I encourage you to get that out. John is the fourth book into the New Testament, so get your spot there. If you've got a Bible app on your phone, I encourage you to get that out as well and, and follow along. We'd love for you to read this for yourself. Today I want to talk about happiness, that thing that we think will complete us. And, and so how do I have a, a right perspective on happiness? Now, one of the reasons why we're in a series on missing pieces, one of the reasons why we often feel like something is lacking, is because we're told that all the time. We get messages every day telling us, you need more of this. You need more of that if you just had a little bit more. And so we begin to believe that. And happiness is no different. You should be happier than you are. And here's how you can do it, you know, and you should have more happiness than you have. And, and you hear that enough times and you go, yeah, I, I'm not as happy as I should be. And, and you begin to believe this. Now, you see this with advertising all the time. And, and basically every ad is trying to convince you why you need this to be happier than you currently are. Now, I remember the Super Bowl about a month or two ago. Super Bowl is famous for the commercials, right? One commercial in particular stood out to me. It was a truck commercial, but it was the most inspiring truck commercial I have ever seen in my life. And in case you don't remember it, I'm going to show it to you because I think it gives us the context of what we're talking about. Check this out. If you want to be important, wonderful. If you want to be recognized, wonderful. If you want to be great, wonderful. But recognize that he who is greatest among you shall be your servant. That's a new definition of greatness. By giving that definition of greatness, it means that everybody can be great. You don't have to know about Plato and Aristotle to serve. You don't have to know the theory of relativity to serve. You don't have to know the second theory of thermodynamics in physics to serve. You only need a heart full of grace. Soul generated by love. I mean, sign me up. What? I'll buy two of them. Like, I'm like so inspired by this commercial. I remember watching, I was like, yes, yes, I want to be great. I want to serve. I want to do all of that. I need this truck, right? Now, what's the implied assumption? All those things that you heard about, all those things that stir you, which actually come from Jesus, you know? All those things you're like, oh, this is so amazing, are all linked to you owning that truck. That's a subtle message, right? It's like, oh, we don't actually tell you to go buy the truck. We're just going to tell you all these great things, and you'll keep seeing the truck throughout the whole commercial. You know, and it's like subliminally like, yes, that truck will do all of these things for me, and I will finally be great, and I will finally have all of that. And if I had to boil down, this is just one example of many. If I had to boil down, what's the message 
that the world give, gives us? What's the message that leads to us ultimately being incomplete feeling? It's this, the world promises happiness in a moment. You can have happiness in a moment. It is right within your grasp. Just get it, just buy it, just do it. If you have it so close to you, it's just right there. But notice, if it's available in a moment, why don't you have it? If it's so easy to get, if all you have to do is buy this truck or buy that product, why are you not happier than you are? Why are you missing this? And you realize where that reaction comes from. Of, oh, this is so easy to have. And yet I don't seem to have it as much as everyone else does. They all seem to be happier than I am. What am I doing wrong? Now to this, I wanna let Jesus rattle us to the core. I wanna let his perspective shift us out of what we have gotten so used to and the, just the stories that we to so often believe. So we're gonna go to John chapter 16. Begin reading in verse 16. I want to show you a, what I think is a little bit of a strange passage. Uh, it's a dialogue between Jesus and his followers. And, and it sounds weird when you read it out loud because you, you realize this is a kind of a strange conversation. So we'll just unpack it. John 16, verse 16 says this. Jesus went on to say, In a little while you will see me no more. And then after a little while you will see me. What? Are you, what, what, what's it, what's he talking about? At this. Some of his disciples said to one another, what does he mean by saying in a little while you will see me no more? And then after a little while you will see me. And because I am going to the father, they kept asking, what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he's saying. I, I love this. Now, if you ever like wrestle with something Jesus said or something you heard in church, you're like, what does that mean? You're in great company. His own followers are like, hey, dude, did you get that? Because I'm not tracking with him today. You know, it's like, what on earth? is he talking about? And they're trying to process it. Verse 19, Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this. They don't ask him, they don't want to look stupid, but they wanted to ask him about it. So he said to them, are you asking one another what I meant when I said, in a little while, you will see me no more. And then after a little while, you will see me. Very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. Well, thanks for clearing that up for us. You know, what... What are we talking about? Now, this line is like a weird metaphorical line. Like, what is he talking about? And uh, there's a lot of confusion about it. Now, here's what's interesting. That same sentence is repeated three times in those five verses. And that's why it sounds funny. Like, they keep saying the sentence over and over and over. And every time you hear it, you don't understand it any more than you understood it the first time. So, like, why do we keep repeating it? Now, there's a few ways of understanding this. Uh, one way of understanding it would be that, that when Jesus dies physically on the cross, uh, they won't see him anymore, and they'll see him again at his resurrection. Okay, one way of understanding it. Another way of understanding it is that when Jesus ascends into heaven and he's gone, they don't see him anymore, they'll see him again upon the second coming when he comes back. Okay, so two different ways of understanding this. But here's the point. They don't know what he's talking about, and the only thing that's clear in his conclusion is that things are going to get harder before they get easier. So I'm not sure where he's going and what he's doing, but the clearest part of that was that things are gonna get worse before they get better. Notice what verse 20 said, we just read it, but again, just stare at this. You will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. Well, sign me up, Jesus. I mean, that sounds amazing, right? So everybody else is gonna be having a great time and I get to weep and mourn? 
I mean, that's not gonna sell a truck, all right? Like you're not, like this is not a message the world wants to hear. This is what Jesus tells us. Oh, you wanna follow me? Guess what? You will weep and mourn while those around you look happy. Um, I'm, I'm not sure what to do with this. If you're expecting happiness in a moment, um, that's, that's not gonna provide it for you. Jesus isn't offering you happiness in a moment. See, what Jesus indicates is that there's more of a journey, right? There's this time where he's here, time where he's not here. There's, there's this, this time lapse of, of a journey of an experience with him. But we don't like that. We want to get from point A to point B as fast as possible. Get rich quick. Lose weight quickly, right? Uh, have career success without all the years of, of, of work put into it. We don't like the journey. We want immediate results. But God has a different way of doing things. I'd say it like this. The world promises happiness in a moment, but Jesus offers joy in a journey. The world's gonna tell you, you can have happiness right now. Just do this, just buy this, just get this. And Jesus is going, no, you won't, but I'll offer you something else. I will give you joy, not happiness, I'll give you joy, but it's only gonna come through a journey. Now you might have these, these moments of, of happiness, but if you've ever had that moment of happiness, you know it doesn't last, it's fleeting. And maybe you have happiness when all the hardships go away for a little bit and you can catch your breath, but then life comes back at you or that thing that you got wears off, the novelty wears off, and then you're right back at the same pursuit. But Jesus is offering a different perspective, a perspective you only get from a journey. You can never get from a moment. Let me illustrate this for you, uh, the difference between a moment and, and a journey. I wanna show you a picture of a house in Alabama in 1974, okay? So I want you to look at this photo. Just mentally capture this in your mind, what this looks like, right? Again, very simple, normal looking house uh, in Alabama, 1974, someone took a picture of it. So they came back eight years later and took this photo in 1982. Things have changed a bit, right? And so you notice, okay, you still see the house there, kind of see it, the building next to it, but uh, obviously some, some growth. They came back nine years later in 1991 and took this photo. Now the bushes are becoming trees. Uh, and then finally they came back and uh, came and took a picture in 1994 and the house looked like this. Remember how we started? Now, depending on your perspective, you will have one of two reactions to this. If you are a nature lover, uh, you might think this is the most beautiful thing ever. This is pure poetry, you know, nature redeeming what mankind had done to it. And this is whole, you know, poetic justice maybe, right? For the rest of us, uh, it probably stresses you out because now you know what those weeds in your yard are really thinking. You know what I mean? Like they're looking at your house going, that's ours. Like we're taking it back. Uh, I mean, can you imagine the HOA? letters on this house. Like I just get stressed out just thinking about that. But here's the point. The journey is what makes this worth noting. If I just show you this picture, who cares? If I just show you the first picture, who cares? When I show you the 20 year journey, now you have a story. Now you have perspective. You can react to it however you want, but it is the journey that provides you with the perspective. And this is what Jesus is indicating. You will not have this happiness that you're looking for in a moment, even though the world's gonna tell you you can. You're gonna have to reframe to look for a journey. Now he knows it's, it's unclear. He can see his disciples are not grasping this. So he's gonna, he's gonna explain it further. And he's gonna use what I consider one of the riskiest analogies Jesus ever uses to teach it. 
but he's Jesus, so we're gonna let him do it, and we'll dive in and see what he says with it, all right? John 16, keep reading, verse 21. A woman giving birth to a child, oh boy, be careful, Jesus, has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you. Now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice. And no one will take away your joy. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Oh, you know that, you, that thing you think is missing? Yeah, no, it's not happiness that you're looking for. It's joy. And your joy will be complete when you pursue the journey with Jesus. And yet it's gonna take a radically different way of understanding it. Now, I love the analogy he gives. This is such a great analogy. It makes me think of one of my favorite quotes. Uh, Joel Freeman once said this, a child is conceived in ecstasy, but birthed with much pain. A lot of life experience in that one sentence, right? Uh, if you've been there. Uh, there's something to this analogy. You're like, okay, this is interesting. There's an interesting pain here. Uh, now, I want you to imagine your, your bedside, uh, a woman, let's say your wife is, is giving birth. What do you say uh, to comfort her in the midst of that pain? Now, a lot of you have been there before, and you can recall some of the dumb things you said. You know what I'm talking about, right? Like, yeah, I remember that moment, you know. And, and what do you say if you've ever been in the delivery room? When a woman is giving, you know, birth, there's a, a pain unlike most other pains. Uh, and if you're around, you have this, this desire to ease the pain, to help, to do something. I remember when uh, Michelle was giving birth to our, our first child, we were feeling so helpless. Like, I, I don't know how to help you. I don't know what I could do. So I remember at one point, I just held her hand. I thought, I'm just going to rub her hand and I'll let her, you know, let her focus on this. And, and that way she'll just, you know, my strength will go into her from there and, and she'll just have this. And, and not too long into it, she, she just very kindly leans over to me and says, please don't touch me. Okay. I'm going to be here in the corner if you need anything. You just, you just let me know. I'll be, right? Uh, there's, there's just that pain that you go, I want to do something. Now, let's, let's consider what could you say? To a woman who is delivering a child, who is overwhelmed by the pain, what could you say in that moment? Let me give you one option. You could say, hey, you know what? If you didn't want this pain, you shouldn't have gotten pregnant. <laughs> now, I don't recommend that line, um, but you could, right? You could say, well, don't you know how you got here? I mean, like, what's going on? No, what would you say? Probably something to the effect of, hold on, it's going to be over soon. The pain will end. It's not forever. I know it's overwhelming, but just hang in there. Just keep going a little bit longer. It's gonna get better. That's how you would address it. This is what Jesus is talking about. Now, here's what's so amazing about this analogy. The source of pain in one moment becomes a source of joy in another. It's the same source. So this child that is bringing all of this pain to its mother is going to be a source of joy upon arrival. That all of a sudden, all the pain gives way in this moment to the screams of this newborn child and this bliss of new life when you look upon this child. There is just such this dichotomy of extremes of all of this pain and then all of this joy as you look into the face of this little baby for the first time. And it's the same source. This is the difference between happiness 
and joy. The reason why a lot of us don't experience joy is because all of the sources of pain in our life, we run from, we flee from, we ask God to take it away. We buy things or do things to minimize the pain. And we forget that it's the same source that Jesus wants to use to bring us joy. Now that might sound totally weird for you and you're going, how on earth would a source of pain be a source of joy for me? I would much rather have happiness in a moment. I'd much rather have anything that would take that away. But if you change your perspective, you begin to see how this is what Jesus is offering us. Hey, all those sources of pain, all those sources of, of suffering and hurting in your life, I want to use those, not remove those. I want to use those to bring you joy. Sound weird? Let me show you a few passages in the New Testament that say just this. Now, I want you to listen to how weird these sound to our ears because this is so antithetical to the messages we get from the world on a daily basis. Here's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 7. I am greatly encouraged... In all of our troubles, my joy knows no bounds. Hmm, that must be a typo. In my troubles, my joy knows no bounds. You don't have joy in troubles. What's, what's Paul talking about? Or it says it this way, next one. Verse eight, or chapter eight. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Wait, in the midst of the trial? Like it wasn't over, it was in the midst of it, it was at the worst part of it. Their joy, not just like they had some joy, it was overflowing. How often do we pray for the trials in our life to end? Because then we can be happy again. Then we can experience what we want. Jesus going, no, 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 it's in the midst of it. You can have joy. And most of us go, what do we do with that? Here's another one. First Thessalonians. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you were welcomed, uh, for you welcome the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. Again, in the midst of suffering, not just regular suffering, severe suffering, in the midst of it, you had the joy from the Holy Spirit. Is that possible? Like, does God still do this? Here's another one. Hebrews 12. For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You know all that humiliation and torture and excruciating death that Jesus experienced? You know what he experienced with it? Joy. What? That was all joy for him? Yeah, that, all of that. It was for joy that he endured the cross. Could that be possible? Or one more. James says it like this. Consider it pure joy. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, oh, you're going through a trial, you're so lucky, consider it pure joy. Uh, no, I want this to go away. James is like, no, no, no. You have an opportunity for Jesus to bring you so much joy. Notice that none of this is happiness in a moment. All of these examples of God bringing joy through a journey of pain and suffering. A journey of all the worst that life can throw at you. And it's in the midst of that, Jesus says, you want joy? I'll give you joy. A joy that will complete you. And yet you got to decide which perspective will you choose? 
Now, I showed you the Super Bowl commercial with Dr. Martin Luther King. Uh, what you may not realize is that was from a sermon. And, uh, and in that sermon, that same sermon, he talks about advertisers. And so I want to show you that same footage with the audio from a different part of the same sermon. I want you to notice how it changes the perspective just a bit. Check this out. Uh, the presence of this instinct explains why we are so often taken by advertisers. You know, uh, those gentlemen of massive verbal persuasion, and they have a way of saying things to you that kind of gets you in the bind. In order to be a man of distinction, you must drink this whiskey. In order to make your neighbors envious, you must drive this type of car. In order to be lovely to love, you must wear this kind of uh, lipstick or this kind of perfume. And you know, before you know it, you're just buying that stuff. And I've got to drive this car because it's something about this car that makes my car a little better than my neighbor's car. And I am sad to say that the nation in which we live is the supreme culprit. And I'm going to continue to say it to America. Which perspective are we going to go with? Here's my question for each of you today. What journey has Jesus invited you to experience? Now we could go around the room and we could just start sharing stories. Already after the first service, people came up to me and just heartbreaking stories of their life that's going on this week. So what, what journey are you in right now? See, the reality is we can talk about the gospel and so often intensity is, oh, it's gonna make everything great and all your problems will go away. That's not the gospel. See, Jesus knows life's full of those stressful things that weigh us down. You know, there's money issues, career issues, family issues, health issues. The list could go on and on and on. And the tendency, if we follow the perspective of the world, to say, I want to flee from these. I want to, to stop them. I want to buy something to fix it, to get rid of it. And instead, Jesus is saying, no, I'm going to meet you in it. And I'm going to take that longing that you have that can never be filled by a moment of happiness. And I want to make your joy complete. I want to close with something the author Brennan Manning said. On the last day... Jesus will look us over, not for medals, diplomas, or honors, but for scars. Because scars tell a story of a journey. Scars tell, tell about those moments where you had extreme loss, extreme hurt, extreme pain, and Jesus met you there. And it is in the scars that Jesus offers to make our joy complete. Could we live with a perspective like that. Let's pray together. Jesus, this is a radical message for us in the world we live in. To release our grip and our desire for a moment of happiness and instead commit ourselves to trust you for a journey. A journey that's gonna take us places we wouldn't wanna go to experience things we wouldn't want to experience. But yet you offer not just a resolution to that for all time, but a promise 
that even as absurd as it sounds, you will meet us in the midst to bring us joy. God, I pray as a church gathered across all of our locations, I pray that you would fill us with a joy that will complete us and free us from the lies of a moment of happiness. May we have the perspective to see what you are doing in the midst of the journey. We pray in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen.